G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. This time of year, so many of us are looking with hope for good things in the year ahead. And we make our plans as we look to lead our families, our businesses and our opportunities to serve in our churches. Now, there may be some divine wisdom to glean from our conversation today. Our special guest today says something that you might think is actually quite radical. He contrasts our tendency to make plans like the contrast between a powerboat and a sailboat. The powerboat goes where it wants to go, but a sailboat is empowered by the wind. We're talking about Christians and the way we make plans to succeed with a guest who says, scrap your long-term plans and start working with the opportunities that are at hand. Dr. Roger Parrott is one of America's most experienced university presidents and is professor at Bellhaven University in Jackson, Mississippi. One of his books is called Opportunity Leadership, Stop Planning and Start Leading. Now, as I introduce our guest, Bellhaven University, it was named in 2021 to be the best university to work for by the Chronicle of Higher Education in the US. And Roger was recognized as one of the top 10 most visionary education leaders in 2021 by Education Magazine in the US. And one of those accolades, let me say, he's a former chair and treasurer for the Lausanne Committee for World Evangelization. Let me make a special welcome to Roger Parrott. Roger, welcome. Well, what a joy to be with you, Neil. I'm just so honored to be on your program and uh, to speak to uh, friends in Australia. What a treat. It's a treat for us, Roger. Hey, let me start with the illustration that I shared that you like to talk about when you're discussing who leads and how we lead organizations, uh, the contrast between the powerboat and the sailboat. Uh, Give us your impression here. Yeah, well, that's a perfect place to start, especially because some of my fondest uh, memories are looking over Sydney Harbor with all these sailboats. And uh, and, uh, in your part of the world, you have some amazing sailors. so it, it really is an interesting image for Christians as we think about our future, as we think about how we how we plan for our future, and how we work toward our future. And whether that be as a leader of a of a church or a, a ministry or a school or 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 just in whatever you do, your personal life, uh, this image of powerboats versus sailboats has been meaningful to me to kind of explain this idea of getting rid of our grip on long-range planning. By that, I mean trying to predict God's destinations for our future and instead trust him to take us wherever his wind blows and to be sensitive to God's wind when when it blows. And, you know, we all believe that. You know, would, would we rather go where we think God wants us to go in the best 
strongest powerboat we could create, or would we rather go where God wants us to go and catch his wind? Well, the answer is easy, but we don't live that way because we have become addicted to this idea that somehow we have got to plan a perfect future and then pray for God to bless it and work hard to make that happen, and only in that will we achieve God's direction for us. And I just am calling us to a different model. I don't call it a new model of leadership. It's really a biblical model of leadership that lets go of this iron grip on planning. And so as, as I was developing this some 20 years ago um, and implementing it at my university uh, in, here in Mississippi, um, uh, I needed an image because the idea is complex. And, and I was down on the coast and, and one day saw these powerboats come through where I happened to be fishing and they came through and they just tore up everything. They were loud. They were polluting, uh, scared all the fish away. And, uh, and I had to stop fishing. So I walked down the beach and I saw this sailboat. And in fact, everybody who was on the beach stopped and looked at the sailboat. And I thought, what a difference between the powerboat with is pushing its way and the sailboat that we're drawn to. And so I started to develop this model of the difference between a powerboat and a sailboat. And, and, and they are pretty stark when you think of it in terms of Christian leadership or, or following God's will in our life. And, and it really breaks down into, into about seven areas. Um, and, and we don't have time to go through them in detail, but let me just highlight a few. And it begins with trust. Where do we, who do we trust? Do we trust the wind? And do we trust our responsiveness to the wind or do we trust the motor and trust where we think we need to go is the right place. And so it, it begins there in this, in this whole arena of trust. And, and, and most of us say we trust God to lead us, but we don't live that way. And we sure don't lead that way. And I think in the Christian world, we need to let go and really put our trust in God. And then and then it moves to focus. You know, uh, again, you've got great sailors in Australia. So when you're a great sailor, you're listening to the wind. You're listening to the how the boat interacts with the wind. You're listening. You're you're watching the vastness of the sky. Uh, you know, in a powerboat, all you hear is the motor, and and all you see is the power that that boat creates. And and I think it's a completely different focus. Most of us miss God's opportunities in our lives because we're so focused on achieving what we think he wants us to achieve that we miss those moments when his wind blows. And God's wind usually blows very gently at the beginning. And so when we're sensitive to that, like a good sailor is, and they sense that that wind shift is coming, or they sense that that uh, uh, new direction is coming, they're responsive to it in the boat. And, and then it's thirdly probably a preparation. Uh, you know, I mean, I've got a powerboat. And so I know, you know, I, I can run down, I can jump in my boat, turn on the motor, and off I go. In a sailboat, you can't do that. Uh, the sailors I know who have sailboats, they're spending all the time getting that boat ready. And there's so much to, to take care of. Uh, a boat, uh, a sailboat is very complex. Um, you have to carefully maintain it. And a powerboat's kind of immediate gratification. It's gas and go. And, uh, and I think that's in the Christian life so often we want to go where God thinks us, we wants to go. We're not doing the preparation that gets us ready for those 
special kinds of moments. So, so those are three of, of kind of the seven that I've outlined in the book. We of, might be able to touch on some more of those. Uh, Roger, you're not denying that the powerboat has real strength and power. And uh, when it's, as you say, gassed up, when it's fueled up, it'll go where we direct it to go, according to the plan that we make. But uh, the contrast here, and uh, for listeners who are Christian and you have a sensitivity to the fact that God is here by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, this wind becomes a very, very significant factor. So uh, you've got to be able to make room for the way that God might be speaking into your plans. I I imagine you're saying, don't go without having a plan, but be ready for your plan to change. Is that what you're saying? I am saying that, and I and I guess it's important to probably differentiate here at the beginning that that I'm talking about long range planning. Um, you know, the the, the the easy illustration on that is anybody who had a long range plan four years ago doesn't have one now because nobody had COVID in their plan. So you know, I'm talking about predicting out three, five, ten years where we're going to be and and working toward those objectives. Now, that's different from operational planning. I mean, I run a university, and we're going we're gonna to teach certain subjects. We're going to run the campus. We're going to have sports. We plan very well the resources God's already given us. What we don't plan are the future destinations. And coming back to the powerboat, we in the Christian world have gotten very good at building some impressive powerboats. They look a lot like business powerboats. They look a lot like the, the powerboats the public's impressed with. But those powerboats can be so strong, we can go where God thinks we, we, he, we want, he wants us to go, and we can completely ignore the wind. We can go against the wind. We don't, we don't even feel it. Where in a sailboat, you've got to be responsive to the wind. So, you know, like for my university, People will often ask me, well, well what's Bellhaven University going to, to be five or ten years from now? And my transparent answer is, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, God will bring opportunities. We trust him for that. And in the, while we wait for those opportunities, we're going to get the very most out of what he's already given us. And I think so often in the Christian world, we're focused on where we're going and the next thing rather than being good stewards of what God's already entrusted to us. What I can hear in the way you're describing this thought about planning is a differentiation in what we call leadership versus what we might call management. And for a lot of people, they are a little bit like one and the same because if we're a part of an organization, the people who are in charge, sometimes they're called the manager and they are expressing levels of leadership. But there's a differentiation here. You're saying that leadership is a little bit different to management because management's implementing a plan, but leadership has to stay sensitive and particularly this dimension of the Christian leader to be sensitive to where the wind is blowing. Exactly. And, and, and I think, you know, all of us in leadership manage things. So, you know, I often hear people say, well, I, I want to be the kind of leader who doesn't manage. I want to lead. Well, there's no job like that. You know, every job requires a certain level of management of the stewardship. But what I'm calling for is our Christian, whether it's leaders or our personal life, to not be so focused and gripped by what we 
where the future God wants to take us and instead be good stewards of what we've already got. But I think so often we feel like if we're not somehow moving forward with something new, something different, we're somehow disappointing God. You know, but God's in charge. Last time I looked, you know, he didn't throw us the keys and say, you, you go drive and, and I'll, uh, and I'll kind of bless you as you go. God's in charge. And if he wants Bellhaven University to grow, uh, then that's his decision. It's not my decision. I'm going to be the best steward of what he's given us. And so I think leaders have gotten so caught up in this structure of planning, in this uh, responsibility that somehow they feel like they're the only one who can make it go forward. I think they live under enormous stress because of that. And I tell you, giving up long-range planning is the single best decision I've ever made in all my years of leadership, but I've been at this a long time. But it's the single best thing. I found a freedom in it. I found a new level of trusting God in it. I found a, a deepening of my prayer life. I found a relaxation in those times that would have been anxious because God is going to lead the way. I don't have to be there. I just have to be ready to go. I have to be prepared, like that sailor who's got their boat prepared and ready. When that wind blows, we're going to go. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. An opportunity to join in our conversation today as we talk about something that sounds counterintuitive, something that when you compare a powerboat to a sailboat, you might have your own thoughts how that works in family, in business, in church. Well, 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line is open. Our special guest is Dr. Roger Parrott. He's the professor and president at, is a, he's professor, he's president and professor at Bellhaven University in Jackson, Mississippi. As we move into this part of our conversation, Roger, uh, let's talk about planning and why planning doesn't work. And you did say long-term planning was what you uh, were focusing on here. How does planning become counterproductive? What are your thoughts here? Yeah, and again, we are talking about long-range planning. I'm a great believer in operational planning, which means planning well what we already know what God's given us. So we're talking about predicting future destinations. And it doesn't work, first of all, because, you know, again, the COVID example is an easy one. But every every organization I know who had developed a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, it never came out that way. It never worked out the way that they drew it out on the whiteboard where everything grows in, in perfect order and pieces fall into place. Life just doesn't work that way. And, and so planning really doesn't work. But, but even worse than that, I think we're settling for less than God's best uh, when it comes to planning. We are, we, we are planning what we think is what, where God wants us to go and settling for less than what God wants to give us. And so, and so let me give you a, a very specific example of that. And, and, and that's in this, in, 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 in this arena, we were into this about a dozen years at Bellhaven of not doing planning. So my university does not have a long range plan. If you come to my, our website, there is no plan for Bellhaven uh, 2030 uh, or, or whatever year you want to pick. Um, so we were into this about a dozen years and I went to my board and I gave them a document and said, long five-year plan. And I used my language very carefully to try to describe 
some goals that sounded like they were for the future. And I said, we're going to grow the enrollment. 40, the enrollment's going to grow 43%. We're going to raise $21 million in new gifts. We're going to build $31 million of new buildings. We're going to start seven undergraduate programs and eight graduate programs. And I went through all this. And when I got to the end, I said, now that is not the plan for the next five years. That is what we actually did the last five years. Now, the, the big punchline of that is I told them, I said, if five years ago I would have brought you these outcomes as our plan, we would have cut them back by about half or maybe two-thirds. And so instead of 43% growth, we'd say, well, let's do 20% growth. And instead of $21 million in gifts, let's, let's raise $10 million and, and, and three programs undergraduate, three programs graduate. That's more than enough. And we would have felt pretty good about that plan. And, and we might have hit it. But in doing so, we would have achieved so much less than what God actually wanted for us. So I think the first problem with planning is we aim for targets we know we can hit. And, and leaders don't want to be embarrassed. So you don't put out a target that is just impossible to reach. But God often is a God of impossible and will do the impossible if you'll trust him for it. So, so I think that's one limitation. Another limitation is it homogenizes our strengths. If you have a planning process in your church or in your ministry or in your business, and this does work for business, um, it, it very much works for business. In fact, one of the endorsers of, of my book was um, was the president of Krispy Kreme Donuts. I don't know if you have them in Australia, but uh, um, here, yeah, here, you know, that company turned around. Well, well the president there, uh, he, he said, this is, he read the book. He said, this is exactly what we did. We trusted for opportunities uh, rather than a plan. But it homogenizes strength. So if you're going to get everybody around a table or have a group of committees and they're going to plan, you can't leave out some portion of what you do. And, and in doing that, you don't build on the unique strengths, strengths, strengths God has given you because you're trying to make all parts of the organization happy. And that happened at, happened at Bellhaven. We are one of only 30 uh, for universities in the world who are nationally accredited in each of the major arts, music, theater, visual art, and dance. We're the only Christian college uh, in America that's working at that level. And, and, but we began to see God move and bring opportunities in the arts. At the same time, our, our soccer team was playing in a horrible field and our, and our, chemistry lab was was the high school level and and if we had tried to plan it all we would have homogenized everything everybody would have gotten a little bit and we never would have captured those opportunities and i think third thirdly and this was a really important one for christians planning focuses on our deficiencies it doesn't focus on our gifts and strengths so when we plan for the future I mean, everybody says, yeah, I'll do a SWOT analysis, strengths, uh, you know, limitations, opportunities, and, and uh, all. And, and they spend a short time on the strengths, but it's really built on what we don't have. So the plan becomes a focus on what we don't have, where opportunity leadership that I'm calling for is a focus on celebrating what we do have and trusting God to fill in those gaps. And so, you know, it's, it's a really big difference. Um, 
planning can be a lot of empty productivity. We go through the process. We, we have the committees. We have the structure. We have all the meetings, but nothing really gets done in all that. And we feel like the planned process is an outcome, and it's not. It hasn't moved the, the ministry or organization or, or business forward one bit. Um, so what do you seem to be talking you know, about here? One, yeah, go ahead. This is yeah. a, an interesting little aside, and we've only got a short time up to the news now, but if you're plotting a trajectory, uh, and as you say, uh, check your last five years, and perhaps you can see on a graph where things might be headed, but... Our definition of success is sometimes whether we've hit the goal on our plan. And so our definition of success as a Christian believer, uh, perhaps that needs some twerking and uh, uh, fine-tuning too, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. God doesn't call us to that. He calls us to obedience. He calls us to trust in Him. He calls us to service. He calls us to uh, to being people filled uh, with grace. I mean, those are the benchmarks of success. We we often talk at my place that the, the things that matter most we can't measure, and planning focuses on what we can measure. Yeah, I can measure enrollment, I can measure money and that kind of stuff, but that's not what matters most at my university. What matters most is the transformation of students' lives or when a faculty member impacts a student to give them a vision for their for their future and their calling or or when a coach uh, helps a player who whose family's having difficulty. Those are the times of most importance to what we do. And so often, whether it's, again, church ministry or wherever we are, what matters most we can't measure, but planning, again, always just focuses on the measurements and not the significance. And so we've got to change our definition of success. You are right on target with that, and we need to let go of that stuff. And when we do, God will bring more what we would normally call success that we could ever imagine if we'll be faithful to the core. Roger, let's develop a few thoughts here because uh, unexpected opportunities can come our way. And some might say, isn't that somehow taking us off the plan that we had set? We thought we had God in the plan. All of a sudden, there's an unexpected opportunity. The ones we might be missing, you suggest that they might be the key to our success. Give us your thoughts here about unexpected opportunities. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, yeah, I hope that the opportunities bring us off our plan. That That's the objective here is to let go of that plan and capture. I mean, how many times did we do we read that Jesus was headed one direction and somebody called him a different direction or somebody uh, touched the hem of his garment or something happened and he went a different direction? And Jesus captured opportunities in his day-to-day ministry. And I think we have missed that because, again, we're so set on these goals of our plan. And so what I'm talking about in giving up long-range planning, again, not, not operational planning, the day-to-day planning as people are joining us uh, who didn't hear the other earlier part, but the long-range planning, giving that up is not a new technique. It's not a new, um, uh, it's not a new style of leadership. It's really a mindset. That, that how we look at how our responsibility is is different. It's in God's hands. It's not in our hands. It's about our outlook, that we're looking for those opportunities. You say God will bring opportunities. You know, I think a lot of Christians don't think God will bring opportunities. And I think one of the turning points with us, in fact, I, I had an international group on campus who came to study what we were doing. 
and we had a three-day meeting. At the end of that, one of the friends from uh, South America said, he turned to me with a group, and he said, you really expect God to bring opportunities, don't you? And it hadn't hit me that before, but yeah, we really do expect it. And there's so many times we'll begin an academic year, and I I, I really don't have much on the agenda, and I kind of wonder where we'll go. And within six weeks, everything's busy and full as God brings opportunities. But then it's also about a culture. You have to create an organizational culture where people are comfortable with that. And unfortunately, in Christian ministry and in churches and in, in other settings, we've created a culture where we expect the leader to walk in with a plan, say, here's what, where we're going, and to put themselves accountable to that plan as the only option from our, for our future. And, uh, you know, so it creates a different culture. And, you know, we've been able to do that. You can't do it overnight. And I, I encourage leaders, if you want to give up long-range planning, don't do it in one fell swoop. This is a, a process, and I lay out in the book how to do the process. Because if you do it overnight, you'll get fired because people expect you as a leader to come with a plan. And until you can show them there's a better way of not planning, they, they really don't know what to, uh, to expect. And, and, and then it's, it's also a theology, and I think that's the biggest bottom line. This is about a theology of trust. We have to so trust God for that future. We're willing to let go of the wheel of that powerboat to go where we think God wants us to go, and instead trust him that his wind will blow, his wind will fill our sails, and his wind will take us where he wants us to go. Roger, no doubt setting the plan may have these risks you're talking about, but setting the course to navigate, that's another issue I'd love your thoughts on here because so many might be thinking right now, well, we're so secular-minded Uh, We think we've got to have a plan that leaves God out of the picture and we're focused on those secular and even those materialistic things that we think life is is existence, uh, that we think our existence revolves around. But, you know, so many will be thinking, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things will be added to you. Any thoughts here about the difference it makes when you're introducing a spirituality into your navigation setting course rather than having a long-term plan? Yeah, that's such a good question because I think it's critical. And and as a leader, if you start this, uh, you will get pushed back, I guarantee you. And when I started, I would talk about how, look, we all believe in God's sovereignty. God is going to lead us. We all believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to work among us. We all believe that God wants his best for us. So we're going to let go of planning that future destination. We're going to trust God for that. And everybody said, that's great. That's all wonderful. And then they pull me aside and they say, well, if that doesn't work, what's really the plan? Uh, what's the plan B? And, and the plan is there is no plan. There literally is no future plan. And that is the plan. And so then, then the question comes up, well, how do you know which opportunities will come? First of all, God will bring opportunities. So the question is, which ones do you follow? And to me, it comes down to three criteria. Mission, gifting, and capacity. Mission, gifting, and capacity. And I, and I write it quite a bit in the book about mission, because I think in mission, many of us in our Christian organizations or in churches, we haven't really defined our mission to really 
be clear in what has God uniquely called us to do. And so I asked some pretty hard questions in the book to ask us to examine mission, but you've got to know what that mission is. And, and, um, and, and then you've got to know what your gifting is. What are you good at? And, and what are you not good at? And my university, I know what we're good at. And, and if an opportunity comes, I had one come just before I took this phone call, uh, a great opportunity, really good opportunity, completely out of the blue, never expected it. It's probably going to bring us several hundred students, but, but it fits our wheelhouse of what we do well. And so it was like a, a five minute decision, very easy to make because it fit our gifting and then our capacity what have you got space to do sometimes organizationally we can uh, leaders especially can put a lot on our people overwhelm them with responsibility and and task and as a leader we say yeah we'll do this we'll do this we'll do this but somebody's got to actually do it and so what have you got space and capacity for so that's a question i'm always asked looking at mission gifting and capacity and i i use the illustration of a of a automobile staying in its lane you know so often we can be driving along and there's another car going the same direction somewhat the same speed um, but they're in a different lane and there's a tendency to say, well, that lane looks better than this lane. I think I'll pull over in that lane, but that gets us out of our mission, gifting and capacity. We've got to understand what God has uniquely gifted us to do that nobody else can do. And, you know, um, uh, you know, for pastors, I mean, right about this for pastors, small churches can do things that no mega church can do. Or they, t- pastors tend to look at the mega church and say, well, they got all the choirs, they got the orchestra, they've got all the programs, they got this and that. Yeah, but you can do things nobody else can do. Look at that gifting. Look at those, the mission that God's called you to do and really find that way to stay in your lane, build a culture of people who love it, who want to be part of it, and can help to make that happen. And the fun part of living without a plan is God is always surprising. It is amazing the number of surprises we get um, that we didn't expect. And this, this is not just at the macro level. That's not just me as the president of the university. I'm not the one leading. My people come all the time with this opportunity and that opportunity or, or this piece that they got to do that wasn't in the plan. And, uh, you know, and part of what we do is we set aside money in the budget to fund those things that come that we don't expect. And so many Christian ministries don't because we fill up our budget with things to fund our plan. But when the moments come, we can't even, we can't even capture the opportunity. Well, there are all kinds of great things we can do when we're listening, going back to the sailboat, when they're catching that wind of God, it's what a wonderful way to lead and to live. One of the lanes, you could describe it like a natural economy, and the temptation is to be in that lane. As you say, there's another lane, uh, like a lane that's in the divine economy. Let me ask you here, Roger, because some people will be saying, uh, is there a disadvantage in being in the divine economy lane? Uh, Let me ask you about uh, whether we're missing the opportunities that will be the biggest things that will happen because we get caught up in the plan in the natural economy. Thoughts here about the good and big things that can happen. Well, we really do. And and those great things that God is... I mean, God will 
bring us things, and if we're good stewards, I'm like the parable of the talent. If you're a good steward of what God gives to you, he'll give you more. And he may give you the increase as well. But that's not, you know, the story was not just about what they actually earned. It was about he gave the increase in addition to that. So God will do that. But we've got to trust that he really will. And, and one of my favorite uh, passages is Isaiah 55, you know, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, and so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts high, greater than your thoughts. We tend to think as leaders, God has given us every insight possible and equipped us with all we can do, and so whatever the best we can come up with is where we need to go. And in doing so, you know, we've just touched the tip of the iceberg of what God really could do. And, and so, you know, when we can let, again, this planning feels like a prison. We are so gripped to the plan, feel like we've got to have the plan. And as leaders, we feel like they get to have the plan because that's what we do in leadership. We're the ones supposed to deliver the vision. We're the ones supposed to deliver kind of where the future's going. And everybody's not going to be comfortable until they know we can do it. And as a leader, we don't want to take anything in that we don't know we can hit because then we're a failure and, and people won't trust us. That culture has to change. It has to be built on this theology of trust that really is grounded in a different way of looking at God's working among us. It's not just what we can do with our best talents and gifts that have all come from God, but that's just the foundation of where we can go. And his ways, his thoughts are so much higher. Uh, when we get out of the way, it's amazing what his thoughts will do. Roger, encourage us that you don't have to be some sort of a super spiritual giant uh, to get into this lane and to appreciate uh, inspiration, even revelation from God about opportunities and direction. When you're working along this way in practice, uh, your day-to-day, look out for the opportunities. How do you get into, is there some sort of a spiritual presence that you need to have is there a daily discipline that you need to have what is how do you how do you get into this uh, understanding and yeah. openness to god well that's a great question and it does bring up one of the issues of christian leadership today that leaders somehow feel like they have to come with a greater insight from god than everybody else around them and somehow god speaks to them and doesn't speak through others and so they become authoritarian they become demanding, they become that their word is the final word, and in the process of that, they don't get the best things, and bad things happen when we take this spiritual, uh, the superiority uh, approach that too many leaders have taken. Eventually, it'll bring them to downfall, but, uh, but uh, there's a lot of damage in the process. This requires a great humility. This requires a humble spirit before God. This requires a, a, an exceptional prayer life. But you don't have to work into a certain level of, of spiritual relationship before you can do this. I mean, just trust God for the future. Uh, he knows best, and just just put it in his hands, and it's, it's amazing if we'll just back out of the way and, and let him let him take control of our lives. You know, in my chapel at, uh, at the university, and I preach every week chapel with our students, but we always end up for, for 
30 years with the same verse of Scripture, and the students say it in unison out loud, because first of all, I want it so ingrained in their life that sometime in that time of difficulty, these are the words that are going to come to mind, but I also know that the Scripture applies to every situation. And the Scripture we all pray together is that benediction. No eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That's the only requirement. The only requirement is not uh, Harvard uh, business training. The only requirement is not uh, experience in the corner office. The requirement is for those who love him. And if we will love him, he will do exceptional things way beyond the limitations of our leadership experience or ability. You're embracing all of us, Roger, whether we're leading our family, whether we're leading in business, whether we're leading in serving in our local church. Let me ask you about opportunity leadership. You've written a book on opportunity leadership and uh, you started to talk about traits. I think there's six traits to focus on. Uh, Your leadership outlook on untapped opportunities. You like to talk about traits and talents and tendencies and things like that so uh, not a lot of time to enlarge on a lot of those but what should we know if we're becoming someone who's aligning this opportunity let me just highlight a couple and first of all i'll say just to catch a part of that good question you just asked this does work for families as well i mean how many of us have kids and we want to plan out their future we want to dictate what that future is going to look like and we draw it out and it's all perfect and it's wonderful and it's far beyond what we did and that's the future we draw for them and in doing so so often kids will crash and burn let god work in their life give them space to grow and develop this same letting go of planning works in families as it does in a business or a church or a ministry but uh, but i think i'm looking at the issue really uh as uh, to your question of culture what's the culture we're building that allows us to capture god opportunities and i think there there's several uh, pieces of that one and i know our time shorts so let me just hit them, a few of them really quickly and the first one is embracing speed we've got to move faster in the church we are so slow uh, I call it the DNA of a sloth. You know, if you if you uh, surprise a sloth, it couldn't jump out of the way. Its DNA won't let it move fast. So the church has gotten this DNA of a sloth, and and I think it's based in a in a in a DNA of fear that we're fearful of making a mistake, or we're fearful of of the culture around us. A DNA of comfort. We'd rather stay with the mediocrity that we have rather than push into a new territory, a DNA of intimidation. Uh, I mentioned the small church. They're intimidated by these, these, these mega churches and what they do. They don't need to be, but that DNA keeps us from being quick. Uh, a DNA of assumptions that we can't do that or we don't have the ability to do that or whatever. We need to embrace speed. And so often I found in the opportunities, as the one I mentioned that came just before our show started tonight, that came that was a five-minute decision because we could move very quickly on it, and already my team's implementing it uh, because we have a culture that's willing to embrace speed. But the only way you can get to that is to be comfortable with risk. And, again, we are so afraid that we're going to make a mistake. We're so afraid as a leader to stand up and say, well, you know, that didn't work, and we're going to stop that. But, you know, I do that all the time, and I tell my people we're thinking about doing this or we're thinking about doing that or we tried this and it didn't work and we're going to go a different direction, we're going to flex with all that. But it's hard for us to do that 
and, and then, and then, you know, I, and I'm a great believer then as part of that. And, and I know we're down to the last minute here, but, but learning to love roadblocks. I love roadblocks. And most of us and leaders hate roadblocks. We want to go in and we want to blow them up. We want to push them out of the way. We want to use all our muscle to get rid of roadblocks. That's our job as a leader. And I think roadblocks can be one of your greatest friends. I wrote a whole chapter about that in the book, because if you'll look at roadblocks in a different way, God often speaks to those. And so, you know, I had an, uh, an opportunity a year ago. We thought it was wide open. We worked hard on it. We were ready to go, and it fell apart at the last second. And, and my team was so disappointed, and I said, you know, God's protecting us from something, or God's got something else for us to do. But the question is, what's God teaching us through this? When we hit roadblocks, we need to be asking that question. We need to be learning from that. And God will use roadblocks to get us where he needs us to go. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff about culture, organizational culture, but it's all based in a theology of trust. It's all based in Scripture. None of this is new. The whole thing is scripturally based because this is how Jesus uh, wanted us to lead and how God designed leadership and organizations. Roger, you're describing how we live in the kingdom of God and not in the kingdom of this world. Uh, powerful insights today from Dr. Roger Parrott. And you might want to listen to a podcast of this conversation. It will be available on a podcast later on this afternoon. You'll find it on the 2020 page at vision.org.au. Dr. Roger Parrott is president at Bellhaven University in Jackson, Mississippi. And there's some wonderful accolades there too. He's also a former chair and treasurer for the Lausanne Committee for World Evangelization. And if you're not familiar with that committee, it's just so significant. Uh, you might like to Google that and find out some more there. Uh, let me point you to how you can get a hold of Roger's books. One we've been talking about more in particular today is called Opportunity Leadership. Stop Planning and Start Leading. Another of Roger's books is called The Long View, Lasting Strategies for Rising Leaders. And I want to mention too that there is an Australian website that's been set up called opportunityleadership.com.au to access the masterclass that Roger did last week for the organisation called Business Blessings. And lots of listeners might be familiar with Wes Leak, who leads Business Blessings. There's a link there for the Q&A session that's coming up on the 21st of February where people get a chance to ask Roger implementation questions around opportunity leadership. It might be one of those you'll grab a hold of. So that's opportunityleadership.com.au. You might even be interested in connecting with Roger personally through the Bellhaven University website, bellhaven.edu. Uh, Roger Parrott, wonderful opportunity to talk to you today thanks so much for such clarity and such insight and it's like you're on a different level to where most people are thinking and uh, certainly appreciate that very much appreciate you being with us today on 2020 it's been my joy thank you thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au 